It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 97 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. We went to see a little old movie this weekend. Perhaps you heard of it. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. What was most surprising is that it had very little pirate action in it. I was quite surprised. <laughs> what is going on here, I thought? No, okay, actually. Of course we went to see Dead Men Tell No Tales, and I think we can say we had a good time. Because, well, I say it like that because I guess I can't speak for Heather. I have to let her speak for herself sometimes. I can't control her like I want to sometimes. You try. I try. It doesn't work, though, does it? No, it don't. Not only did we check out the latest addition to the franchise, we got a few post-movie fan reactions and even ran into pirate cosplay. We actually connected up and talked with Pirates of the Silver Realm. Actually, four members of the Pirates of the Silver Realm made an appearance in all their pirate glory, including a great Captain Jack Sparrow, which was pretty awesome. They were also appeasing fans by posing for pictures, which was great. So it was kind of cool to see that. And all the kids and adults and everybody that was excited just to be able to see, well... Pirates out of Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, I mean, that is exciting, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You go see Pirates of the Caribbean, and then you see Captain Jack Sparrow just walking around there. Hey, I know I wanted to hit him up for like a post-movie thing to let him know, but I think I was like the first one to actually run out the door. I'm like, oh, I gotta gotta go out there. You were. So I don't know if that's good or bad that I was the first one. (laughs) As soon as you seen him, you actually went running like a little child. I did. I did knock a few kids over. It's like that... Moment in Seinfeld when George is at the birthday party and there's a fire and he goes rushing through and knocks over the kids and the grandmother and all that. That was me basically knocking everybody over so I could go see Jack Sparrow and the other pirates. I know you thought it was Johnny Depp. It looked like Johnny Depp, right? (laughs) I thought it was a pretty good impersonation. It, it It was. It was pretty cool. So we got to talk with them and they were, like I said... Happy to appease some fans, take some photos and all that good stuff. So it added quite a bit, I thought, to the movie-going experience since it's been six years since the last Pirates of the Caribbean film hit theaters. And when you show up there and you see pirates, well, then it just brings it all together. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It was a fun swashbuckler. And to be honest, I had a bit of a rough time letting go of the entire minute-by-minute breakdown thing that we do here. It's all those aspects of it. As I said before on the show, I wanted to go in for the first time and simply enjoy the movie Go for the entertaining thing. And then on subsequent viewings, you know, digest it a bit more. I found it really difficult to let go of some of that. I found myself sitting there going, wait, wait. It's like I'm missing some of the movie because I'm scrutinizing it. What the (laughs) hell? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably your fault because you're like, oh, we got to do a minute by minute breakdown from memory. So I was really like (laughs) trying to commit everything to memory and it wasn't going really well. (laughs) We won't get into any spoilers now or any in-depth analysis or review or any of that kind of stuff. But we are saving that for a weekend bonus episode. So look for that to come up next weekend. We got to get it done. Otherwise, everybody else will do it before us. And 
Well, you know, we're Pirates of the Caribbean, so we got to get our act together on that. No slacking on this one. Well, we are pirates, so we can sleep Pirate. in the sty with Gibbs a little, but we really should have our act together on yeah. that. So it should come out sometime next weekend, so we'll make sure that that happens. And then we'll let you know all of our thoughts and the breakdown of that whole thing. And that probably, most likely, will spin off into other bonus shows down the line. Depending on how much we can actually cover during an allotted time before we go, you know, forever on hour wise. And we did have one listener suggest a timeline episode, which we were unable to get to before Dead Men Tell No Tales came out. We simply ran out of time. So that just might be one of those spinoff things as we look at continuity and timing and what is this really timeline for the Jack Sparrow, Pirates of the Caribbean cinematic universe versus the expanded universe, how all that fits in. And we can take a peek at that. So I will go ahead and let it roll, but here are a couple fan reactions to get things rolling as we set sail on minute, what, 97 now? Yep. And then also talking with Pirates of the Silver Realm and their thoughts on that, and then they're also talking about some of the upcoming appearances they have. So it's pretty cool. Here you go. Hey, guys. This is uh, Spencer. I'm just calling. Uh, my fiance and I just got out of Sting Pirates, and um, i got to say... How do you feel? I didn't really care for it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I love Pirates, but I'm kind of disappointed. Like, it felt very patched at times, and, you know, the continuity from the previous movies, they kind of ignored. And, I mean, any Pirates is good Pirates, but I don't know. I feel like they maybe should just leave it at this. I still think they're trying to force the franchise. They don't need to anymore. Just let it go. It was great where it was. And you continue to push it, you're going to make it terrible. Anyway, I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but love the show. Uh, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. I'm Jesse. Uh, I thought that it was a really good movie. I, I liked all the previous movies, and this one was really good, too. I, it's a couple surprising things that yeah. I, I didn't expect, but uh, I, th I think it was an awesome movie. It was well worth the money first one is probably my favorite. I love the first one, but this one is definitely up there. I really like the villain in this movie. Yeah. I, I think he had great character, and they really built him well in this movie. I, I think he's probably one of my favorites. It was really good. It was a typical Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but it was very entertaining. It's amazing that, I mean, that he doesn't age. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dread Pirate Bess. Uh, some of them do think they know what they say. They say you need to see it in three-dimensional, but I don't think they that's They think necessary. they know what they're saying. Yes. That's not the same as knowing what they're saying. They don't know what Just they're as saying. good as the first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Costumes are great. Good adventure. Music. New story. I liked it. New characters. So if Old you were characters. to rank the movies from all the Pirates of the Caribbean oh. and now add this one, where oh. would you put it? I know oh. this maybe is your first time oh. seeing it. Better than the third. No. I thought it was better than, better than the fourth. Better than the fourth. I'll go one, two, three, five, four. One, two, three, five, four. I yeah. concur with Jack. Because you have to have two and three together to finish the story anyway. True. Another thing about the movie is there. It's I found it rather poignant, actually. It was very sweet. There's yes. some very sweet moments in there that yes. are very romantic. <laughs> and, um, a little sad. Huh? A little sad. A little sad. But uh, it's a very sweet, it actually has a sweet story, so. Stay for the end, as after in the credits. After, after the, credits. the credits. Do not leave. And ignore the critics. Ignore the critics. As Just, usual. Yes, as, you, as per usual. The critics don't always, uh, they're looking at it from a very, cinem cinematically incredible. 
Yeah. I, I mean, quite honestly, and it's uh, just amazing effects in this film. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's great. They took a ride that was at Disneyland and turned it into a franchise. Amazing. Amazing movie series. So I find that very encouraging. Well, I hope they do another one. What I'm really hoping is that the NorCal Pirate Festival this year, which is in Vallejo, really hoping we're going to see a Captain Salazar who will say, Jack Sparrow! <laughs> Looking for Jack Sparrow! Yaki Sparrow. Yaki Sparrow. Father's Day weekend! <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. We do. We're Pirates of the Silver Realm. We, we have a living... Basically a living history museum encampment, so there, there are individuals there with authentic historical pieces. Uh, real they, cannons. Real, real cannons, real, real, real muskets. Other, real fun. Other events, they do allow black powder, but they don't allow us to shoot things. The world's record a few years back yes, for most did. cards gathered, and then England beat us about yes, a week we later. We had like... Oh, I well, 10,000, 10,000 somewhere in there. Wow, excellent. uh, This is the 12th, yes, 12th year of the festival. And the first year, what the organizers had hoped for, they were hoping 5,000 people would show up. They really did. First year out, it's like if we get 5,000 people here at the waterfront dressed as pirates, or Uh not even dressed as pirates, but just attending. And that first year, they had 15,000 people over the first weekend. So it has steadily grown into now the largest pirate festival on the west coast and again as, as jack pointed out we broke the record they broke the record and then six months later i think it was yes. broken in ireland they had a larger gathering of pirates in ireland <laughs> so drunk so irish now, pirates so I, now we have a new goal so now we have a new goal granny here the pirates and don't be dissing on the irish now after the layover we're going to the um Long Beach Pirate Invasion, Pirates of the Silver Realm. <laughs> Based out of Reno, Nevada. Yes. Lots of Bay Area presence. Look us up on Facebook. You can find them on Facebook. and They have a pretty active group, it looks like. Or come to our page. We've also posted some links. Or join our Facebook Cursed Listeners Crew group. And there are some links in there. So I'll go ahead and share all that on our Facebook as well. So you can go check them out. But there you go. And you can come see them at the Pirate Festival if you're in Northern California. Father's Day weekend. So what are your initial impressions, Heather? What did you think of Dead Men Tell No Tales? I thought it was a pretty good movie, actually. Kind of was more in line to Curse of the Black Pearl, I think. But it also told a little backstory, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. You know, learning some stuff that we didn't actually know. We just kind of, of the, assumed. More so on the Johnny Depp, or Johnny Depp, <laughs> more so on the Jack Sparrow side of the yes, coin. Yes, yeah. Yeah, kind of getting that backstory on him. Yeah. Yeah, so that is some of the contention, too, because apparently some of that looking back at Captain Jack Sparrow, how he got the Black Pearl, and some of these things, we're not going to spoil all that. But there is some continuity breaks in the canon, which is, you know, say that whole expanded universe thing or the books of Jack Sparrow. There are some differences that they took or maybe some liberties that they took in telling that story for the cinematic universe. Oh, okay. So Disney kind of rocking that boat a bit, you know, that'll be something that we can bring up in our bonus episode on that. And we don't do a bunch of spoilers, but go see it and check it out. But yeah, so I I definitely know what you're saying there. To get a look at a young Captain Jack Sparrow, a rash, brash Captain Jack Sparrow really is pretty cool. And I can't wait to really talk about some of the differences that I've seen as a young Captain Sparrow, say, or a young yeah. Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow, whatever you want to call him at that point, and then to the Captain Jack Sparrow that we came to know. Right. 
It really is. And I think there might be some differences there. So I think it'll be cool to see how he's grown over those years, at least in the cinematic universe that we've seen portrayed. As I said, it is a good swashbuckler, humor-filled adventure film that really brings back pop icon Jack Sparrow and the meshing of a pirate movie with supernatural, kind of those sci-fi elements. There were things I definitely liked and things I wasn't quite sold on so much. In fact, that night after watching Dead Men Tell No Tales, we went home and popped in Dead Man's Chest, and then I'll be giving that World's End a fresh showing as well. And then probably we'll have to hit On Stranger Tides again just to kind of complete that so we can really digest all of the films together having seen them, so that way it's all kind of fresh and recent in our minds. The one thing I really liked about Curse of the Black Pearl, and this is, mind you, we're talking about a movie with an Aztec curse and immortal skeleton pirates, so it's all about degrees here. Remember that when I say this, there are degrees here, is that the supernatural story element of the original film was more subdued, kind of less over the top. Again, I say this with degrees. You got to look at the (laughs) degrees here because we are, again, like I said, talking about immortal skeleton pirates. So if you put that on a scale where there's no supernatural stuff, yeah, the needle moves quite a bit. But if you put it in a world where there's well, Krakens and Davy Jones and stuff, then it's maybe a different ball game. It's not quite so over the top. So things get bigger and bigger as the Pirates of the Caribbean film universe is peppered with more and more mythology as you go along in the series. In the beginning, our Pirates of the Caribbean Genesis with Curse of the Black Pearl, you get the sense, and again, I'm talking not about the expanded universe, the cinematic universe here, the one that most people know, kind of that pop culture part. That the Aztec curse is likely to be this first incarnation of the supernatural our characters have ever encountered. Right. At least, you know, it's this force that is not just stuff of legends of the sea, but Barbosa and his crew discover, as does eventually all the main characters and everyone else for that matter in this world, that curses are a real thing. Because you get that in the Black Pearl, that maybe this is not a normal thing. You know, Krakens, Davy Jones, the Fountain of Youth, all these other things that we've seen in the other movies are not normal happenings in the film, in this film universe. Right. You know, the normal person on the street that's sweeping his shop, or Will, when he was a blacksmith, this is a whole new ball game that he never heard of. Yeah. This was stuff of legends, and sea legends at that, that were not necessarily meant to be true. There are things that they heard about, okay, yeah, we probably don't believe that. We saw it with Elizabeth Swan and talking to Barbosa with the curse that, yeah, they didn't believe the curse. I don't yeah. believe in those tales. Barbosa said, yeah, I didn't either. We took the gold and now I'm a believer. As the movies progress, then we find out the universe is full of all these other things that sailors' tales are a reality. It's not based in a reality like sea serpents are giant squids or mermaids are mistaken for manatees. These kinds of things. Yeah. It's the reality of stuff. But mermaids really are mermaids. Krakens are krakens and so on. And Dead Men Tell No Tales follows this path along the lines of Pirates of the Caribbean 2 through 4. Like this mythos is really a reality. That they've taken it to those next steps beyond what Curse of the Black Pearl really was. Yeah. And what I believe at some deep level I was maybe hoping for was really a complete like return to Curse of the Black Pearl. Not a shot for shot remake. None of that. But a return to form. Which... Maybe can be hard to do when your world has really become indoctrinated with all this mythology. But I think I wanted maybe a Force Awakens moment. Sure, it hasn't been 30 years since Luke, Leia, and Han have swashbuckled across the silver screen like it was in Star Wars. But I just thought maybe the success of that Star Wars, like the whole idea of let's appease the fans, 
let's go that playbook may have played out with Pirates of the Caribbean 5. That moment when you cheer because Captain Jack is back or Will Turner resurfaces after an absence. Obviously a pun intended, resurfaces. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Nobody laughs. It's like crickets going on here. I wanted that same feeling and I'm not sure that I got it completely. I'm not sure if I completely recognize the original cast. And maybe that's a good thing. I mean, when I say that, it's like the characters. Have the characters changed a bit more than they did in the last movies? If you were to look back at Jack Sparrow, is he kind of the same character that he was in the other movies? That's what I'm really trying to get at. Right, yeah. I mean, it's possible. This is later. Time has passed, obviously. So he's grown. Things have changed in his life. And he's a different person. But what I'm saying is like that Force Awakens moment when you're on the Millennium Falcon, the tractor beam has pulled you aboard this vessel and you don't know. You're Ray and Finn. You're hiding. And who pops through the corridor? Han and Chewie. You're just like, hell yeah. That's what I remember. They're older, but that right there is Han and Chewie. There's no mistake in it. That's who they are. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm not sure if that happened here. I don't know if that, I know that that's Jack Sparrow, but what I'm trying to say is, is that the same Jack exactly where we left off with him? Is that the same guy? And I don't know. I, and that'll maybe be something for the the breakdown of the episode. Because I don't know if I completely recognize him as that same person. And like I said, maybe that's a good thing. We're also examining the very first movie. That's right. You know, so we're looking at the very first of Jack and not all the trials and tribulations that go through the next three movies, four movies, three movies. Sorry. So maybe when we review the other movies again, you'll have a different sense. Well, that's why I think we came back and put in the second movie to start that process over to really start to look at it because maybe he has grown And he has, and it's not to say that he shouldn't have grown over this time or life choices and things have changed because you do see that things have changed for him or without spoilers, there's a different situation for him. But yeah, I don't know. And I, so I'm kind of wondering that and I'm not, you know, saying anything that's bad or good about that. I'm just wondering, did I want that force awakens where I immediately recognized him where it could have literally been. Pirates of the Caribbean 5 Dead Men Tell No Tales came out in 2012, a year after On Stranger Tides. Or was it a year after At World's End, you know, where you have all those characters and then boom, there's the new movie. It's continuing on maybe some years later, but maybe that's the best part of it is that you don't get where it looks like they just hopped off the Black Pearl or they hopped off another ship and then they're just starting up, but you get a sense that a lot of time has really passed between that. And maybe that's, like I said, that's the good thing. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. I think I was like looking for that. Boy, that's the Han and Chewie that I remember. And we just left them. And I don't know if we really got that. I just felt that there was maybe some character changes with him. Okay. But that could be a good thing. And that's what I was saying. I was kind of leaving it open. I definitely want to look. I definitely want to have that second viewing of the film and I want to go through and finish going through all the other ones. And so then I have that complete perspective when we talk about it for our upcoming weekend episode where we really break it down and and discuss some of this stuff. Because there's a lot of cool themes in it. I saw a lot of symbolism. I'm big on the symbolism, but I'm not the only one. We got some reviews from some fans and Spencer also hit one of the 
themes that I recognized. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought, oh yeah, I'm not the only one. But I didn't have I didn't look at his spoiler until just the other day because I wanted to make sure that we had seen the movie and I didn't want to be mm. I didn't want to go in with some spoilers. And I was trying not to look at this stuff. And it's so hard, like I said, with the minute by minute analysis stuff that I was going in there with that eagle eye because I really wanted to go in fresh. But it's so hard when yeah. you're diving into these characters so much that you kind of build stuff up. And or I didn't want to have that because I didn't want to go in with all these different expectations or where is it going. So I was trying to be pretty careful about that. And I don't know if I succeed in it. <laughs> but go see the movie. It really is a good pirate adventure. Yeah. You don't get a lot of pirate movies no, out there. No, You get pirate movies that are maybe straight to DVD, straight to Blu-ray, straight to digital, you know, that kind of stuff. We've had some good black sales pirate stuff that's on cable, you know, these kind of on-demand things. But you really haven't had any good pirate movie that's hit the theaters. No. So pirate movie is a pirate movie. So that's my my kind of point. And I'm going to finish rewatching, like I said, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and 4. And then we will have a full spoilers breakdown next weekend. Including sharing some fan reviews that also have spoilers in it. And then trying to answer some lingering questions that everybody is having. Or some of the stuff that we see at the end. As we heard from the Pirates of the Silver Realm, you got to stay to the end. We were sitting in the theater and it was amazing how many people got up before the end credits. Yeah. Or some of them... Got up and started to move. And then they're like, wait, there's still a, a, quite a few people sitting down. There might be something coming. So they're sitting down on the stairs and the aisles and stuff, kind of waiting to see what's going on. So we can tackle all of that. And then we can also touch on things like music, costuming, themes, and as I mentioned, symbols and all that kind of good stuff. Because in reality, we don't get near enough good pirate movies these days. So if we want more pirate action on the big screen, we need to get out there and fill the seats, unfortunately. We got to support the big studios. We gotta support the man. Dang it. <laughs> Man's always keeping us down. Now we gotta support him to get the pirate movies. Go figure. <laughs> so go see it. Tell us your thoughts, and we'll be covering Dead Men Tell No Tales, like I said, in depth next weekend on a special episode after giving everyone some time to go see it in theaters and check it out. It boils down for me that I'm a little all over the place from excellent to good to hmm, depending on which aspects of the film we're talking about. So I'm kind of just everywhere. But I guess that's a good thing. That's probably how most people are with most films. Yeah. We also seem to be getting some mixed reactions from the moviegoers as well. So maybe I'm not alone in craving a Force Awakens moment. But then again, from a creative standpoint, is that really the best move? And not always. I do want to say thanks again for the fan reactions, the person on the street interviews at the theater, and a special shout out to Pirates of the Silver Realm and their upcoming Northern California Pirate Festival in Vallejo, June 17th and 18th. Thanks for talking with us after the show and hanging yeah. out. It was pretty fun. Yep. So we should probably get into Minute 97 now that we've gone through all that. But before we get there, what's the pirate word of the week? Well, we had to go with Dead Men Tell No Tales. You bet your scurvy dog we did. <laughs> because if you did, there was going to be a severe verbal beatdown. And in case you didn't know, this means dead people will not betray any secrets. Excellent. All right. It's a common pirate phrase, meaning once someone is dead, they can no longer communicate. Hence, killing someone is the best way to keep him or her quiet. A standard pirate excuse for leaving no survivors. Actually, I paused there because I thought she was going to slay me, so I didn't say anything. I thought I was going to be a dead man, but <laughs> apparently I wasn't. She let me live. All right, perfect and appropriate, I think, for the movie coming out. Yes. Yes. 
In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow takes a much-needed, very private, all-inclusive Caribbean vacation getaway, complete with white sandy beaches, palm trees, bonfire, 360-degree view of the ocean, without a bothersome tourist or life-saving ship in sight, by the way, and of course, complete with a beautiful single lady and all the rum you can handle, Malika Leaky Maka, Jack. <laughs> but the guests that keep on giving come to an abrupt halt as he discovers there really is no safe place from the all-too-familiar reality of conversation. When an 18th century woman wants to talk about how you escaped the last time, you might as well grab some rum and settle in to discuss your feelings. Malika Leaky Maka, Jack. The women always want to talk. Dang, those women. <laughs> Minute 90. Actually, <laughs> that's when you want to have a walk the plank for yourself. Because you're like, do I want to talk and discuss the feelings or do I really want to walk the plank? <laughs> minute 97 begins with Jack finishing his revelation that began with last in the previous minute. Time. I was here a grand total of three days, all right? Jack opens the door buried under the sand, revealing a hidden rum storage chamber. Last time, the rum runners used the island as a cache. They came by and I was able to barter passage off. The minute ends with Jack and Elizabeth singing a sea shanty around a bonfire, drunk thanks to the rum bottle in each of their hands, where devils were black sheep were really bad eggs, drink up me hearties yo-ho, 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 a pirate's life for me. I dot dot dot. And that's where we end. So... How often do you find a rum cellar on an island? Well, I've never found one, and it's a shame. <laughs> but if I'm ever marooned, I'm hoping that damn near 100% of the time you find a rum cellar, a <laughs> rum cache on the island. And I think everybody out there is with me on that. When you're there marooned, you better hope there's something there. <laughs> if I'm marooned on an island, I will definitely do the knock on a palm tree. If it sounds a little hollow, the big old steps. I'm going to take the five giant steps forward. And if I find something, I'll drink to Jack Sparrow. <laughs> That's my plan. I'm going to be honest, though. I actually got, you know, as we're looking at the minute, got more enthralled with some deleted scenes about this time frame here that kind of are applicable to this particular minute than I did with the actual minute. And I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't think so. I think it just happened that way because of my micro-focus that happens. Oh, too often. Oh, yeah. So maybe I'll get there in a second. But I did want to say that that's the secret, that grand adventure of the infamous Jack Sparrow that Elizabeth says. I mean, you can hear the shock and disappointment in her voice. Oh, yeah. She is Well, he didn't want to tell this. her. He didn't want to tell he her. He didn't want to fess up, but he, I guess at that point, figured, what difference does it make? And... I'm not going to get this woman off my back until I tell her the truth. Yeah, that's the thing. He could have lied, but Jack would then have to do a lot of work. He could have said, I fashioned rope, not from hair on my back, like he said, but yeah. from palm fronds. Or I made a raft. And pretty soon Elizabeth has him toiling under the Caribbean sun, trying to create yeah. rope. Chopping down palm trees to build a raft. Recreate this raft. Yeah, pretty soon he's just like, I got to get some rum. And he didn't want to do that. He's like, you know what? I really can't deal with that we're here the, they're not coming back i might as well just fess up and hang out yeah and go from there i mean it really is a blow to everything she's read about jack and i think it's also about her hope of escaping off the island i mean it's her hope of saving will for god's sakes which really is an interesting turn of events if you think about it because will goes to save the girl and then the girl has to go save the boy it's this kind of cool twist on the typical and age-old swashbuckler where the boy usually has to go and save the girl. End of story. Yeah. Here, we get both in the movie. 
Which backs up the strong Elizabeth woman character that yes. we, we've seen going on. Yeah. And this is obviously the time that I get to talk about the deleted scenes. Oftentimes deleted scenes don't necessarily add anything to the movie. They're cool to see. You just kind of brush over them. Or maybe this is just me. You know, when you see a deleted scene, sometimes it's like, okay, I can see why they cut that out. Or it's just a really tiny piece that doesn't really have much going on. Yeah. That's often the case, but not always, where they really don't seem to add anything significant to the movie. Right. But in this particular case, there are some really interesting and informative deleted scenes that I think I maybe would have liked to have seen in the finished product. The question is, do they actually fit into canon or... Are they just discarded and then they fall from the Pirates of the Caribbean cinematic universe? Are deleted scenes part of the universe? That's a question that I have that I don't know. Maybe we have to make that determination. Because I say that because they may even change some of the dynamic or maybe it's this audience perception of who the characters really are, especially Jack. This gets back to our previous minute discussion on the reality of Jack's legend. We are talking about is Jack a legend in his own mind or just a legend or did he actually accomplish, you know, what Elizabeth has read and all these stories about him? Yeah. So let me know what you think here. So first we get some historical realism with Jack sitting on the beach and reloading his flintlock. He's drying the powder and loading the ball. So it's not like he's just been in and out of the water without making sure his pistol is ready to fire at all times. And since this is the case, we can then make the assumption that he does this all the time or each time that his pistol gets wet. So we're kind of establishing this fact. He was put on the island. He's under the boat to get to the interceptor. He's off, thrown off the plank again. So I, it's safe to assume that they put that in there and it's a really establishing that he dries his powder. He's making sure that the gun's going to work. He's right. reloading it. He's, he's doing the maintenance on it. So it's kind of a movie error solved and explained too. It's nice to button up these inconsistencies, I think. And this topic also came up when Andrew and Carson were guests on the show last yes. week. They were talking about that. Well, the deleted scene, it has the answer. He's fixing it. Sure, if the powder is wet and then it's dried, that there is some idea that maybe it is maybe more prone to misfire. Yeah. But I would rather do the maintenance on it and do that and make sure that it, okay, is prone to it as opposed to having wet powder in there. Right. So he's doing his job. Which is pretty cool. And it answers a question that we had last time. And then it helps fix some of the continuity when they say wet powder is not going right. to shoot and all that that we see in the later films. Man, we're just on a roll with filling in some of these holes. Secondly, Elizabeth and Jack have a conversation. It's an airing of the grievances, as I like to call it. A festivist miracle for all of us. Since we've had a Seinfeld <laughs> reference already, I thought I'd throw another one in. Why not? That Elizabeth calls Jack out for wanting to sell out Wilt for the Black Pearl. Yeah. Now we can still assume Jack is handing her a line that he really wasn't going to sell out eventually, Will, one uh -huh. of these things. I mean, he is a pirate after all. But he does explain a bit that if Will hadn't opened his trap and told Barbosa he was Bootstrap's son, Jack would have had the upper hand and the leverage to save the day. And they'd have a ship. So it seems to resonate with Elizabeth in this deleted scene that, yeah, maybe we could have used the ship. Maybe he was right because she gets that... She gets that look like, oh, really? You know, okay, I, I understand. She may not have been happy or completely believed him, but she realizes, hey, they could use a ship right now. Or if Will hadn't gone that route of trying to negotiate terms with Trickster Barbosa, who's going to yeah. twist those up, that maybe they wouldn't be on the island together right now, helpless. Right. So and she Jack see knows that. Barbosa the most. So That's he right. knew what was going to happen. Exactly. You're almost better trying to 
deal with a trickster Jack than you are with a trickster Barbosa. Yeah. Especially because Barbosa is further along on the evil meter. Yes. And higher up on that scale as opposed to Jack, who is more, say, what we call on the light side of things. Thirdly, we get more character development and revelations with Jack. We get an expanded view of Jack versus the legends. The embellished stories we've heard from Elizabeth when she is on the island like, hey, this aren't you the Jack who escaped seven under the seven eyes of the East India Trading Company? Yeah. All these kinds of things. Or the agent's eyes. <laughs> seven eyes an odd number is okay they're pirates they're back there somebody had an eye patch on for that's God's okay sake. we're talking about mystical stuff we're, we're all right. good here <laughs> i mean basically she asked if all the other stories were true because he reveals that yeah he didn't have any magical escape here yeah. or any swashbuckler escape he just traded his way off the island through some rum runners and given that she discovers this true swashbuckler escape from the island or lack of it, you know, this whole kind of smoke and mirrors that he's been doing with the rum runners and the good luck and that kind of stuff. I mean, it really is a very telling and serious kind of scene. So she asks a question if all of these are true. And Jack actually does this kind of Jaws show and tell scar moment. Or maybe it's just more show than tell because he doesn't really explain. Jack really shows that he has scars all over his arms. He has a couple bullet holes on his shoulder. It's really like, hey. And then he says, well, none of it's true. As he's showing her all this at the end with all these bullet holes and stuff. Like, yeah, he's been in some tangles and it doesn't look like he's had a pleasant time doing it. Huh. You know, he's not the pirate that we think of as a trickster who's maybe been able to finagle and talk his way out of everything. Or always escapes unscathed. Right. He has had some rough times. And we see that. So the ideas of the scars being fake is not something that actually happened. You know, they're not fake, basically. Right. These are real scars. This is what it does. But what do you think? I mean, should these have been included in the film? What do you think about the, some of these deleted scenes? I think in a way it, it, it would help with explaining Jack. It, it gives a little more insight into him. Into his life and what he's gone through and that sort of stuff. He kind of opens up and he opens up to Elizabeth. He does a little bit in this minute, in the actual minute towards the end when he's talking about, oh, we're not there yet, but in the next minute. But uh, he kind of opens up in those deleted scenes more to Elizabeth. Yeah. You know, I have something for the next minute as well, a deleted scene that I was going to put here and then I decided I'm going to take it out because it really fits with the next one. It takes Jack out of this more of this guarded person who's always guarding his feelings, yeah. kind of guarding the true thoughts of what he's really thinking, is always putting on this show. And this actually brings him more to a, well, a normal human, if right. you will. Kind of gives him those human characteristics, not just a swashbuckler that we think of him. But then you have to ask, why is he all of a sudden opening up to Elizabeth? Yeah, that's you right. You know, what, what made him, does he have feelings for Elizabeth or what's causing him to actually open up to her rather than anybody else in his life. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the scar one for me is important and it gives the audience like verifiable proof that Jack is a pirate and worthy of these stories being told about him. And well, then it also backs up. This is why Elizabeth has actually read about him. And it does add to the character, Jack, like you said, but it also does reveal that we, the audience still do not know about him. I mean, there's some of these things. So the idea is we're not exactly sure Jack is the pirate of legends. We hear things and we say, yes, he is that guy. Yeah. But then we hear something else and we think, okay, now we're skeptics again because 
was this just an embellished story like Elizabeth thinks? Right. Or is it? So we're kind of back and forth on this fence. Okay, he's a he's really a pirate. He's gone through all this stuff. Okay, no, he's not. So we're left in this idea that we don't know what the truth really is. So we're it's this whole trickster idea again, this whole Bugs Bunny. We don't know who he really is as a person. And we're left like that on purpose because we that way things are a mystery. Is he going to get off the island? Right. Because if we knew that he was this swashbuckler person that could build rafts and stuff and he's on the island, it's no big deal. We, the audience, go, he's just going to get off the island again. Yeah. But if we don't know who he really is and we have doubts that he can do these things, then we're like, is he really going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know what is a tall tale and what isn't. I mean, this scene would have really nailed down for the audience in one sense that's good because we would have like i said nailed down who he really is but then like i said it does take away from the jack mysticism which keeps us guessing as to if and how he can escape or if they will escape right the other two scenes with him say reloading his gun or talking about will making a mistake I don't think are really important character moments or story-wise. They're kind of maybe something historical that you can say, okay, that makes more sense. Or Will, because we kind of really inferred that from that scene. Like, okay, he wanted the Black Pearl. He didn't want Will to do that. So we already get that. So I think that those are okay to cut out. But the other one is really more of a character choice. Do we want the audience to know who Jack really is or about his past? Or do we want him to be a mystery are we drawn to him because he is partly a mystery and mm-hmm. we can't figure him out? Yeah. He keeps you... Guessing, inter- yeah. Yeah. And entertained because yeah. we don't know what's going on. It keeps us... You know, it, it helps going into a movie to keep that, well, what's really going to happen? Because if the hero is always able to do something, then we know, okay, well, this is no big deal. Well, then you're not walking into the movie and going, seeing the first five minutes and guessing the end. That's right. Exactly. Because you have no clue what where he's going. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. So would I have liked to seen it? Possibly because we get more of that character development with him. But then it could have taken away from some of it. So I guess I'm a bit torn. And we can always open that up to a question, which is probably good on our listeners crew to see what people think. That'd yeah. be a good question to populate that with and see what people say. Because I can see either way. But then like... You know, we just might lose some of that that mystery of Jack that we really like. Right. That unknowing. I have another deleted scene, but like I said, I'm going to save that for the next time. And that can open up some discussion for us then. So I think that's what I have for, say, characters and stuff. So I was going to actually, unless you had some more kind of character stuff, I was going to jump to something, kind of a location that I teased last time. The island featured in these minutes is named Petite Tabak. I found this description of Petit Tabak from a far magazine, and they describe it as heaven on earth. And I don't know if I can disagree with that. Oh, no. (laughs) Petit Tabak is one of five tiny islets that make up the Tobago Cays archipelago in the Grenadines. Everything you could ever want in a deserted island paradise is here. You'll find shallow crystalline waters teeming with colorful sea life, including graceful sea turtles gliding to and fro. The borderline where the sea reluctantly gives way to land couldn't be graced with more picture-perfect white sand. And coconut trees dot the area just beyond, their fronds splashing green brushstrokes across the azure skies and blessed patches of shade across the ground. Further inland on these tiny isles of perfection, you'll find box tortoises lumbering along the ground and long tan iguanas lounging in the trees. All the while, seabirds call from their nests in the rocks or as they lazily circle high in the sky. 
So all I can say is, sign me up. You got that right. Right? I wouldn't mind any time at all on that sucker. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Give me a week, two, four, exactly. maybe. <laughs> As I get back to reality and looking at it from our movie perspective, the filming of this whole marooned island scene with Jack and Elizabeth took place on the actual island Petit Tabac, but also back on the beaches in Malibu, California, and on a soundstage in L.A. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a little bit of everything there. So according to Karen Knightley and Gore Verbinski, they couldn't get all the shots wrapped up while in the Caribbean. The hidden reef that they had to navigate or these little reefs that are out there surrounding a lot of these islands made it difficult and a bit spooky for the crew, apparently, to navigate the waters there, especially at night when there was a possibility to run aground. In fact, that's exactly what happened to Kira, her mom, and maybe I think she said an assistant director when they were headed back to do some more filming at night to finish up the shot. Yeah. So the boat crashed on the reef and they had to exit the boat. Abandon abandon the boat. And obviously they were rescued, but it ate up time and made the idea of hitting reef a reality. So the rest of the shots were picked up back in California. That way the crew and those navigating the boats at night didn't have to worry about the reefs. And I know Gore Verbinski was talking about how the people who are the crew members who are driving the boat or some of these barges and stuff to get all this equipment and stuff were saying, I really, really wish we had a local with us. That was here who knew the waters because even though they had maps and GPS, yeah, wasn't quite reliable as what experienced with Kira when she was doing that at night. So you can actually tell the difference between those because the wide shots are in the Caribbean and the tight shots are in Malibu or on the soundstage, and that's when you see those kind of ones that are at night there around the fire. I have a bit of information on the island as far as the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. Excellent. So this this island actually has a few names. The first one being Rum Runners Island. Um, it's also known as Black Sam Spit or Rum Island. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a small desert island in the Caribbean Sea in relative proximity to Isla de Muerta and located northwest of Tortuga. Rum Runners use the spot of land as a cache, rum cache. Yeah, and that backs up within what yeah. we see. But very cool that it actually has a name. Yeah. And if Barbosa only knew that it had a freaking name. Right. He <laughs> probably wouldn't have said that. If, if Pintella Rigetti had come up and said, you know, that's Rum Runner's Island. He'd have been like, oh, it has a name and they have a cache of rum there. Probably best not to put Jack there. <laughs> no wonder Jack got off last exactly. time. <laughs> so that's all I have. I don't know about you. That's all I have for today, actually. I, mean, I know this will strike at the core of your heart as I did have some cool information on rum. That I really wanted to share. But since we are running long already and with our reactions to Dead Man Tell No Tales that happened here, I think that, you know, we can kind of push things to the next minute on some of this stuff because we do get more rum thanks to rum runners in the upcoming minutes. So I'll just push booze to the next time if you can handle it. Oh, no. I'm not sure I can. (laughs) Trust me, you can't. So if you don't have anything else, let's wrap it up and everyone can look forward to a weekend episode where we officially dive into our breakdown of Dead Men Tell No Tales. What do you say? Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks again, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 98 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Why is all the rum gone? Why is the rum gone? Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? 
That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat. Man, I obviously get no respect around here. Arr! So, Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. We'll be right back.